With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Canes Country Podcast. Uh, we are down a person today. Mr. Brett Finger is a little bit under the weather. So we added um, someone to our roster. And we're expected to give him about four minutes and 28 seconds of audio time. Um, welcome back, our great editor, Brian. Returning yeah. champ of, of guests on the Canes Country podcast. He is the undisputed champion for now. Well, that, that's saying something. You guys have had Peter on. I thought I would play second fiddle to him. Well, no, it's evening, just in guys, terms of it's volume. A, it's a pleasure to be talking to you, and I certainly – froze. That was me. Uh, that, that was me with my four minutes and twenty eight seconds of ice time. Oh. <laughs> I got jokes. Oh my gosh! Wow, you got us. You got us. I thought I didn't know what was happening there. But yes, the last time we talked to Brian, we had some weird trade scenarios, and we're getting closer to the trade deadline now. My favorite time of the year. Oh, it's like it's like Christmas, I used, really. I used to take trade deadline day off um, from my job. And I'm, not, I'm really not sure how I'm going to do it this year at home with my daughter at three o'clock because she will give less than a crap about this. And <laughs> just sit there and, well, actually, she'll probably just sit there and watch her iPad while I, you know, turn on NHL Network. So that might actually work now that there I'm you go. Just talking, call Debs on the remote. She has to I mean, don't even You don't even need to watch NHL Network because they're like two hours and 58 minutes behind what, what <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they'll they'll be reporting the Eric Fear trade as breaking news <laughs> <Monday>. <laughs> The good Branson extension. I can hear Liam McHugh's <laughs> voice now. What do you think of this deal to send Sammy Vatman to the Devils? <laughs> That's a good move. Oh my gosh! But the so, Canes are stumbling more or less into no. the deadline. All right, one point streak, one game point streak, one game point streak. They went. Oh, two and one since the last time we talked, and it was Brett and I last week. And at the end of last week's episode, I went back and listened. I don't listen often <laughs> to my own podcast, uh, <laughs> but I went back and listened. And Brett and I both agreed that he says, "Oh, they'll go three and zero." And I said, "You know what? I think they'll win the first two, and I think they'll lose the Sunday game to the Devils." And then you guys we, were both wrong. We both turned. <laughs> we both turned and say. Or they could lose all three, <laughs> and boom, right on cue. They go 0-2-1 this week with a 5-2 loss to the Devils, 3-0 loss to the Islanders, and a 3-2 overtime loss to the Devils. Brian, is this a less than satisfying week? Why, yes, Justin, it is, and thank <laughs> you for asking. Yeah, I, I can't think that it could have gone any worse. And to say that, even with the fact that they got a point on Sunday – they probably didn't deserve a point and they probably should by all means have gone zero and three over the weekend because they were abysmal. Um, you know, passes to nobody shots right into the goalies logo. Um, you know, giving up odd man rushes, defensive brain farts, you name it, they did it. And it was terrible to watch. I mean, 
this should be a team that should be hitting its stride at the end of February. And instead we're still going in the locker room after games and hearing them talk about how they, you know, need to keep with it. They're doing a lot of good things. They just need to keep with it and good things will happen. You know, enough. I've heard enough of it. It's February. It's time to, you know, S or get off the pot because there's not much time left in the season this group of guys hasn't proven to this point that they can get over that hump once they get right to the playoff line. And as Justin Williams said about three weeks ago, until they do, they haven't done it yet. And there's no reason to think that they're going to. And if they keep deluding themselves into thinking we're doing the right things, eventually good things will come. They've been saying that since October and nothing's changed. So what's going to magically happen all of a sudden now that hasn't happened in the last four months? Um, I think they're going to, Figure it out. That's what's going to happen. You do, really? They're going to fix all the problems. Okay. Well, I got, <laughs> I got 10 bucks that says they don't. We're going to get 930 goaltending, shoot 14%. Flurry's going to score. <laughs> Flurry's going to play well. <laughs> well, I was with you until then. <laughs> I mean, Brett pointed out on Twitter, but there's a sidebar. Man, that pick, that Flurry pick. I mean, Flurry's young. He has time. But, it just man. fucking worse and worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's not looking great. Especially wasn't, a, with, huge, wasn't with, a huge fan of that pick when it was made. Uh, you can see what William Nylander's done. Um, you can see what Nikolai Ehlers has done. Mm-hmm. How much could they use Nikolai Ehlers scoring goals right now? Oh, man. I mean, I it, mean it'd be a difference between a playoff spot the, and not. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you, you'd have Ehlers with probably – is it fair to say he'd have at least 20 goals, probably 25 on this squad right now? And instead, you've got a guy that's competing with Klaus Dahlbeck for a roster spot. What about what about even Kevin Fiala instead? What about Dylan sure. Larkin instead? What about Jakob Vrana? What about Kasperi Kapanen, Robbie Fabry, Alex Tuck, David Pasternak? What um, about any of those guys instead? Because they were all on the board. Well, to be fair, I don't think anyone knew Pasternak's ceiling was No, I'm not guy. saying they would, but God damn it. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, honestly. Yeah. The I mean, they, down, they, the they got go. Francis the was way too safe with that pick. They think they had the need of a left-handed defenseman. When William Nylander, everybody leading up to that draft said, wow, this kid, he has all the skill in the world. He's going to be, you know, after the top three, he was seen as the most skilled, not maybe not best player available, but I mean, you could make that leap based on what the direction the hockey world was going in at that time that a guy like Nylander or a guy like Ehlers was going to be a successful player. Toronto and Winnipeg knew to pick Nylander and Ehlers over a guy like Nick Ritchie, who everyone in this fan base wanted, and that would have been a mistake too. Let me ask you this, though. On this this club with a coaching staff that has misused Jeff Skinner for the last four years, who's to say that Nikolai Ehlers wouldn't be right in the same boat as where Jeff Skinner is? He'd be on a line with Phil DiGiuseppe. Exactly. So, I mean, still be scoring – it's it's an it's contributing it's, it's, more to the team than Flurry does. You can blame Francis all you want, and I think it's a fair I think it's fair to blame him for being safe with that pick. The further down you go in a draft, the more leeway I'm willing to give you. I mean, a guy like Pasternak, he was picked what twenty second, twenty third. I mean, there were a lot of teams that passed on him. I'm willing to give that to you, but you're looking at the difference between Flurry at seven, Nylander at eight. Ehlers at nine. I hate redrafting, but I mean, you can't look at this and come to any other conclusion that they made the wrong pick. But, you know, this isn't just a Ron Francis 
failing. This is an organizational failing because they don't have Fleury ready and they didn't scout him well enough to know that his ceiling was going to be probably a number three defenseman at best. And it was, you know, if they had taken another guy, it's a coaching failing that they're not using Jeff Skinner the right way. So who's to say that they wouldn't be using Nikolai Ehlers the wrong way too. I mean, at every, at every level, something got borked there and it's, it, it starts from the top and goes all the way down, but to blame it on one person, I don't think is quite fair. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't like redrafting either, but I mean, that's, they, they, they went too safe. They picked based on need, which is a rule in every sport. You don't draft based on need. You don't. You pick the best player available. And if Flurry was the best player available on their draft board, that's a problem too. I would well, agree with that. I think this is a like this has been a generational issue with this team, though. It's not, you know, maybe just that draft. I mean, you've seen some pretty bad misses. I, I mean, I may I may not be informed enough to know how long each member of the uh, scouting department has been on this team, but this is something that. We're going to talk about a player later in this podcast uh, that we whiffed on big time because we chose Zach Boychuk. I mean, it's hard to project ceilings, yes. But, yeah, like the Flurry one, that, that's really starting to hurt in the immediate future. And, I mean, we can complain all we want, but to be fair, since 2010, the Canes have been one of the better drafting teams in the league. They have been. You're right, but, yeah. most, of their, but most of their hits have come after the first round. Well, and the also they haven't had a top three pick. Right, but I mean, it's something which is what you need. You've, but you've got to hit on one of those. For, I mean, they hit on Skinner. I think I would, prop, I would argue something. the only one they really whiffed on is Flurry. And maybe you want more out of Lindholm. I think you want more out of, at, at five. I think you need more out of Lindholm. I would yes. call that a whiff. Um, they obviously whiffed on, you know, I, I hate saying obviously whiffed on Flurry. Guys played 50 some games, not even that. So, you know, it's, it's way too early to just you know, to call him Zach Boychuk but he's trending in that direction. Um, so I think that's trending down the wrong path. Um, D- Devil's advocate, though, with Flurry, with Lindholm. Oh. His overall pick is higher than – is like it's less of a sure thing than it sounds. How? I mean, you're talking Braden Shen, who before this year wasn't that different at, at the same point in the development from what Lindholm is. Ryan Strom, Morgan Riley – uh, Michael Dalcall, who looks like a massive bust. Um, you're talking. To be Luke fair, Shen. he's having a good season in the AHL this year. Sorry. Great. Luke Shen, Carl Alsner. I mean, yeah, fifth overall picks. It sounds high because it's a top five pick, but it, Kessel before that. I mean, it it looks like a fifty fifty, and Hannafin looks like a hit for a fifth overall pick compared to those names I just mentioned. I think he's a hit compared to those names you mentioned, but again, he's kind of in the same boat as Lindholm. Picking fifth, I would have wanted to see more out of him by this. Well, point. he's he's twenty with one twenty. I know he is. I realize that, and I and that, he's that given way. plenty for that age. Yeah, I, but if you look at the four below him, Monahan, Nurse, Ristolainen, and Horvat, you wouldn't want you wouldn't redraft and choose any of them over Lindholm. I think I would still take. Uh, I think I would still take Lindholm over Ristolainen, but the rest of them, yeah. I would take Lindholm over Nurse. I would take Lindholm over Horvat. I don't think Monaghan is, is quite as good as people think he is. I mean, yeah, he'd probably be a minor upgrade over Lindholm, but I don't think tr- trading Lindholm for any of the guys who went after him is the difference between this team being a playoff team and not in the sense in the same sense that Ehlers or Nylander in, flavor, in favor of Flurry would be. 
Like, no, I mean, but, you know, but it, but it just, not an elite fits, player. But the thing is, though, it fits in the same pattern of underwhelming guys that are taken high in the draft. I think it's way too early to say anything about Jake B. I mean, he hasn't even played in the AHL yet. So I think basically let's, let's write off the last two years of drafts. Nachos looks like he's probably going to be a winner in two to three years. He's still got a little ways to yeah, go. Yeah, be careful about that. I think, I think oh, yeah. people are putting too much in, <laughs> into one pot there. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question. But, I mean, let's be fair. He's looked really good this year. And there are a lot of people saying that if they redrafted last year's draft now, he would probably go top five, maybe top three. Well, he was so, ranked as what? The number two prospect in the league by uh, Button, I think, right I now? Think it was two or three. It was one of those, yeah. So, you know, go, go back. So let's go back to when, you know, Lindholm was still Rutherford's pick. So it was the flurry draft was the first one that, that Ron Francis Ron ran. Francis, yep. Um, Nadelkovich is shaky. I still not, I'm still not sold that he's the long-term solution, maybe. I'm not either. His save percentage fluctuates way too much. Yeah. And yeah. He, maybe maybe most he's of the fine time. his game. He seems like he's been, he's been on his game more than not since the beginning of 2018. Hopefully that indicates he's turning the corner, but we've still got a few years to go on that. Walmart, you know, his ceiling is as a third-line center, probably as a fourth-liner. That's a good pick in the fourth round. Fogel looks pretty good, although I still think he needs to put on a lot of weight. Um, Ajo obviously was a hit. Um, Wah, a hit for now. For now, yeah, but, I mean, he's kind of underwhelmed in Charlotte this year. Um, yeah, but well, he was a fourth rounder. Like if if, yeah. he, if he if he's at all an NHL player, that's a good pick. If you get anything out of anybody you take after the third round, I think it's a good thing. Um, Kokinen probably will will be a contributor of some sort. So I mean, and and then if you want to go back to 2013, Pesci was a third rounder, um, and then obviously Slavin in the fifth round the year before that. So they're they're doing well with their late picks. It's the early picks that are killing them, and that's been something that's that's plagued this franchise going all the way back to the the immortal selection of um, Igor Kanayas of years ago. I mean, they just have never really gotten much of anything, and Skinner's the exception that proves the rule, out of their top picks. And, you know, Eric Stahl is an exception, obviously. Maybe you throw Andrew Ladd in there at some point. You know, Johnson's been a regular. But for each one of – I mean, none of those guys plays for the team any, every, anymore, number one. And for each of those, you've got a Zach Boychuk and a Philly Parody and a Ryan Murphy that have just done absolutely nothing. So, you know, this is not a Ron Francis thing. This is a Hurricanes thing. And it's going to be the thing that shoots them in the foot once they, you know, get to where they think that they're ready to go. You've got to get, you've got to get contributions from these guys. And right now they're, for the most part, not getting it. I mean, at a certain point, you're just getting mad at them for never winning the lottery, though. Like, I mean, once you get outside of the top three, pretty much in any draft, there's a degree to which you're just throwing darts. And, yeah, they hit with Skinner. I would argue they hit with Hannafin for sure. I would, I, would, I would not say that Lindholm is a disappointment where he was picked. I would say you look at him as one of the guys who you could, in theory, be getting more out of based on what we imagine his skill set to be. And Yeah, that I mean, to be fair, that 2013 draft looks really underwhelming. I mean, the – McKinnon the, the, and then Barkov and Seth Jones and then what? I mean, yeah, like maybe throw Drewan in there, and then yeah, I mean Monahan's fine, Horvat's fine. It's I good guess you guys play. aren't fans of Andre Burakovsky, are you? Huh? No. Oh, okay. No, we're really not. Right, I mean, then no, you get sorry. into the 
Max Domi and um, who has what four goals this year? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's that that draft is probably not going to be is going to go down as one of the best of all time for sure. Yeah, so like um, I said, it's just at a certain point they haven't won a lottery, and when they did get a top two pick, they got Eric Stahl with it, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating because, you know, they haven't gotten a franchise player since Eric Stahl. But you don't expect to get a franchise player unless you're picking top two. But I don't, even think that, I don't even think that you necessarily need to hit on a franchise player to make it a good draft. The problem is they're just not getting much of anything out of these guys. I mean, I, I mean maybe anything. you could say that. But, but I feel like the, the clearest path to becoming a playoff team is to get one of those guys. I and agree. And, Instantly made that Avalanche team a playoff team, even if it wasn't real. McDavid, if he wasn't being completely failed by his front office, he could make a team of replacement-level players on his own a playoff team. But Uh, what if – but, I mean, what's your back – the question then becomes, what's your backup plan when you don't win the lottery? Sebastian Ajo, I guess. I don't know. I I mean, I guess, yeah. But, I mean, outside of him and Pesci and Slavin, I mean, they're they're getting hits in the the later rounds, but – you know, you've got to have a plan in place and your, your scouting can't fail you to the point that every year you don't win the lottery, you're getting a guy that you hope is a contributor. You I mean, I would picking, say... You can't be picking top 10 and hope that you're going to get a contributor. You need I to mean, get would, a solid piece, if not a, a franchise player, fine. But you've got to get at least get, you know, top six forward, top four defensemen. And right now they're maybe getting that from half their first rounders. I mean, I would say your backup plan should be to trade for one of those guys and to take advantage of the opportunity when one of those guys comes on the trade market, which is something they failed to do. Okay, great. Taylor, now, let's, New so Jersey. Let's talk, Look at the New so Jersey Devils. Yeah. Taylor Hall just beat the Hurricanes in overtime. He is, I think he has a point in every game he's played in 2018. Even a 2-1 to loss tonight, he scored New Jersey's only goal. He is carrying that team. I know they won the lottery. I know they have Nico Hichet. He's been okay. He hasn't been your usual what you expect out of a number one overall pick. He looked great against the Canes, but his overall body of work this year, he's not McDavid. He's not Matthews. He's not McKinnon. He's good. Taylor Hall is the driving force of that team. Barring, there's nothing you could do to convince me otherwise of that. He is the guy that's making that team good. Uh, their defense certainly isn't inspiring. Corey Schneider's out right now. The forward depth is okay at best. What Marco Mueller doesn't excite you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, his sister's better than he, and even he knows it. Um, oh. But see, you're kind of you're you're kind of making my point, Kyle. It's frustrating because you've got to have that backup plan when things don't go your way. When Ray Shiro made that deal to bring Hall to New Jersey, they didn't know they were going to win the lottery and get Heisher. So, you know, he made something happen, and exactly, it's yeah. No, I agree. He hasn't done that. And that's got to be your backup plan. And when you have these assets and you're sitting on them, what good are they going to do for you if you can't flip them into something that's either they're going to start contributing or you find somebody else and use them as a chip to get someone who will contribute? Either way, that's your backup plan. And right now they're not, they're failing on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I just wonder what, I wonder what Edmonton would have taken from the Canes for Hall. I mean, even Falk would have been a good trade, even though Falk had a good year last year. Uh, Falk for Hall, you got to think Falk had more value than Larson around the league at that time. Um, oh, by so. far, by far. Yeah. 
Especially off the year he was coming off of, and I mean, All Star, Olympian. I mean, there's there's a lot to bounce. I think you could probably make an argument that you could have gotten Hall plus for Falk. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm not. I I don't think. I think at the time they were probably right in not making that deal. But boy, does it not look good in hindsight. No, no. But speaking of hindsight, and speaking of thinking thinking ahead let's think ahead guys for a minute here concerns any any concerns that you guys may have about these final what is it 22 games um who's the player that you see that's underperforming that you know could wake up and help this team out Derek ryan yeah i mean in the sense that he's not going to carry the team when he's on the game but he could be doing a lot more than he's currently doing for sure I would have said Tavo Teravainen. Um, I mean, I know he scored on Sunday, but, you know, he was kind of the offensive catalyst for the first half of the season, and he's really tailed off, and they sure could use him scoring goals again. It was like he found his shot about 10 games into the season, and they lost it again about 30 games in, and he hasn't found it again. And he's got to get back to that because outside of Ajo, who's, you know, doing the Lord's work right now, and Skinner's heated up, so that's good to see. Uh, but they've got to get secondary scoring from somewhere. They're getting nothing. I mean, Tara Vinan's goal was an excuse-me goal that banked off a defenseman and passed Kincaid. So, you know, it wasn't actually – in fact, it was a pass. It wasn't even a shot. It just happened to bank in the right direction and around the goalie's pads. Um, he'll take it, obviously, but they need him shooting and they need him scoring um, more than he has in the last couple of months. Now, I hate to poke fun at the elderly, but is Justin Williams' play any concern to either of you? Sort of, and I thought about, I thought about giving his name. Um, I just don't think that he was necessarily brought in to be the go-to scorer. And for what he was brought in for, to be a complimentary piece and um, you know, do, what, do what he can – maybe play third line minutes, maybe, a, you know, every once in a while, maybe a little bit higher up. I think he's doing a pretty good job. Um, obviously you'd like to see a little bit more from him, but I mean, you can't really, you can't argue with what he's done so far this season. Um, you know, has it been to the level of where he was in 2006? No, but I don't think that he's, if you're relying on Justin Williams to carry the mail for you offensively, it, that becomes a problem. And I don't think it's fair to put that on his shoulders at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair to say about Williams. But, um, yeah, you'd like to see him put a little bit more into the net. But speaking of scoring and net, Canes could use a little help in that bottom six. And one source of help could be the Charlotte Checkers. But what is it? Ryan, about Bill Peters and Charlotte. Why does he not trust his players down there? God, I don't know. Um, I mean, if I, if I had the answers, I would give them to you, frankly. But I don't know. I mean, it seems obvious that for whatever reason, he either doesn't trust the likes of Fogel and, and Zikoff or he doesn't think that they're um, – you know, at the level that they need him to be at to contribute in a big role. But when Ron Francis goes on the radio on what was it, Thursday of last week 
and says, we're not going to call a guy up from Charlotte just to play him six minutes on the fourth line. And then he calls a guy up from Charlotte and Bill Peters does exactly that. No, what? not exactly that. He played yeah, 428, whatever, the point stands. What am I missing here? Because either the message isn't getting through or Peters just doesn't care and is not just not good. I don't know. I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, there was a, there were a lot of eyebrows raised when practice was canceled on Monday that, you know, something could be up. Um, obviously we got through Monday with nothing happening other than Walmart going back to Charlotte. Um, you know, it's kind of, kind of the thumb in the eye of the whole process is that we thought something was going to happen. And the only thing that happened was what we thought was going to anyway. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, the player usage on Sunday looked to me like a coach that knew his seat was getting really hot. He played six guys, 20 minutes or more, including Derek Ryan for some bizarre reason. And and if you expand it out a little bit, Sebastian Ajo um, missed 20 minutes by nine seconds. So I mean, effectively it was seven players. And then you look all the way down and you look all the way down at the other end and there's Lucas Walmart sitting there with four and a half minutes of ice time. I don't get it. I mean, I don't know why you call a guy up that, you know, obviously he's going to be a bottom, a bottom six player. So I get not shoehorning him into 20 minutes, but what's the point here? I mean, where, what's the end game? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. And to go off that Ajo point, yeah, he just missed it. But another problem was I think he double shifted him in overtime because Ajo, you could see on the telecast, was like, completely gassed and he just looked extremely exhausted but yeah you don't understand why there seems to be disconnect between what francis says and what peters does coaching decisions that are made by peters aren't reflecting what francis is saying especially with what you're saying with the ice time um with walmart yeah you said it yourself his his ceiling is fourth line center maybe third um but you can't even get a taste of what he's going to be if you're playing him four minutes and 28 seconds i mean it's just there's no proper way any young prospect no matter who it is going to be in the future whether it's zikoff gotier you fogel anybody um you you can't just play them that little um and another interesting thing is yeah what if if they go into this week and let's let's give them to the trade deadline, and they start dropping more games. I mean, when do you just start calling players up from Charlotte? At that point, I don't know why you would, because wouldn't you want them just to stay there and go ahead and you know try to make a playoff run instead of coming up here for what would effectively be meaningless games? I mean, I know you want to get them used to the NHL, but you also want to get them used to winning, don't you? Correct, but you haven't experienced Kane's hockey if you understand what winning's like. Well, I know. You got to start. You got to start somewhere, I guess. Trade with the trade deadline coming up. What do you guys see, Kyle? Especially, um, what do you see the Canes possibly doing, and what's realistic for the Canes? Um, the most realistic thing that could happen would be uh, to acquire Brian Pache from the Washington Capitals in exchange for Joe Corvo. Um, let him play out the season see what you got, and then maybe he goes back to Switzerland or whatever after the season's over. 
you get Oscar Osala in there. He goes to Russia and never plays for the Canes. Um, maybe you ship out Andrew Alberts to Vancouver. <laughs> see what you can get for him. Um, and then after that, maybe you, you look at bringing, in, bringing Eric Cole back. Um, and then, you know, you draft a guy who can score some goals, put him with a couple fins. Um, and then, and then you miss the playoffs and then, and then you sign Alexei Ponikarovsky. Um, and I don't know who, who knows, who knows what they're going to do. Um, probably nothing, probably nothing. Have we gotten a Mark Andre Grognani reference yet? Oh, uh, that was, a, I was getting there. That was a couple of years later. Okay. Cool. What about Yaroslav Spachek? Like, again, a year, a year after where my timeline was. I mean, Tomas Cavalier is available. So. I heard he has a contract that, that might need to be moved, though. Are we going to have to retain salary? No. It's going to be a one-for-one deal. Wow. Wow. Some teams going to have to take on that. But anyway, no, realistically, Brian, what, what's in the, the cards for the Canes here? Um, I don't see them making any more than deck chair shuffling moves. Um, you know, I – Trades are hard to make, as Ron Francis likes to say. Um, I, know, I know. You know what trade would not be hard to make? What's that? Literally trading, anything? Trading for Dustin Brown, which is what I suggested last episode, unironically. He did. He did. Yeah, I know you did, and uh, no, I'm going to go with no. Why? Why? Give me one good reason why this team couldn't use a player like Dustin Brown on Kyle it. Kyle is a big Dustin Brown fan. No, I'm not. I, I, I hate him. I hate him. I don't think he's a good player. I think they need that type of player on this team, though. For what? To, like, sh- what? to give a shit? To um, make someone think twice before they skate into the zone? Uh, Is like he going to play nothing. goalie? I mean, but you don't think that Joachim Nordstrom is the answer in physicality? No, no, it's not even so much physicality <laughs> as much as it is just attitude. And I'm, I'm not someone who likes to make those arguments, but – Look at them. Look at them. Look at the body language. Get someone who has won a couple cups, has a bad contract, but can at least still produce a little bit. You mean like Justin Williams? How's Justin that Williams is 38 years old or whatever. Justin, Justin Brown's like 35, isn't he? No, he's That's Eric different. Stahl's age. He's, not, he's, the, he's 31 or 2. 33. My point stands, though. What, what, I mean, he's not, what it's not a long-term stands? move. It's a band move to make the team better a little bit now to make it seem like they – I don't even know if I believe it. I just want to see that kind of a thing happen for once. No, I I think you're, I think you're sadly mistaken on who's on who's running the corner office on the fourth floor. Unfortunately, um, no, it's you know where, what do they need to do? They need to swing for the damn fences. They need to go get Mike Hoffman. They need to go get Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They need to do something like that. But what are they going to do? They're going to nibble around the edges, get a seventh defenseman, get you know some some Josh Juris clone to, you know, be a healthy scratch five nights out of six. I mean, I, I, I have no confidence that there's anything of substance that's going to be done because they've said over and over again until they're blue in the face, the team that we have, the team that we have, the team that we have is good enough to make the playoffs. They Do very obviously believe that in the face of unbelievable evidence to the contrary. But if they believe it, then by God, they're going down with the ship. Yeah, well, then there's going to be multiple people going down with the ship in the off season. No, you and, and I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at Peters. I'm looking at even Francis too, because now you have an eager young 
owner that wants to win. Yep. So, I, I totally agree. But I don't know. He, but that owner seems to have given, you know, a blank check to the hockey operations guys and said they know what they're doing. They've, told, they've proved to me that they have a plan and they're going to stick to it. I'm going to let them finish out that plan. Well, the plan very obviously is stick with the guys that you have and nibble around the edges. Is it not? Have we seen anything to the contrary since October? I haven't. So if that's what the plan is, why do you think that all of a sudden they're going to make this ground shaking trade, you know, that's, that's going to, you know, set the franchise up for the next five years. I don't I, think they're going to do it. I don't think, I don't think that Tom Dundon is going to go into Ron Francis's office and say, do this. And I don't think that Ron Francis is going to do it. So either Dundon's okay with that and lets Francis make those decisions, or he's not okay with that and makes a change. But if that happens, that's not going to come into the summer. So right now you're looking at a team that's going to do nothing more than shuffle some deck chairs. Well, the blank check thing is a good argument. Like this off season, I think, I think the past few off seasons, Francis has made decisions based on Carmano's checkbook, you know, kind of picking around the edges, you get Kruger, you get Van Riemsdyk, even Darling is someone that was kind of picked around the edges. I mean, there's, there's prospects out there, maybe even have run it like a player like John Gibson or something would have been interesting, but yeah. And now is, I think your time to prove that you believe in this current core because you're right on the fringe. They need that extra piece and getting a seventh defenseman or getting a, you know, a third line winger. That's not what the team needs. They do need a swing for the fences. Yeah. If it's a Dustin Brown type player, who cares? You just got to show this current team that you believe in them because if they don't do it this year, I mean, confidence would have to be at an all-time low. Oh, you have to think so, absolutely. But, and, I mean, and the not, belief not, to re-sign here for some of these players that are coming up, I mean, not like Hannafin, I'm not worried about that. But I'm just saying, as we move along and you keep missing it, I mean, Jeff Skinner has still not experienced playoff hockey. This man has been a part of your team since 2010. He's given you now 200 goals. I mean, I don't know. You just got to – you have to prove to this current core that you believe in them. Or prove that you don't believe in them and make a deal with one of those foundational guys. I'm looking at Skinner. I'm looking at Falk. I might be looking at Hannafin in the right move. Those kinds of guys. You're going to get nowhere swapping Josh Juris for someone else's healthy scratch. <sighs> yeah, see – all right, well, then that comes down to the – the big question of whether you move a first round pick this year or not. And I know this is a, this is actually the same discussion we had last time you were on the podcast, but now has your opinion changed on that at all? I think that's something you still take a risk at. I, yeah. I you I, have I've, to, and yes, I know I've, that the lottery has changed and it's different. You know, the, the chances you, are that you, you could just know, you know, if they trade that pick this year, that that pick is going to win the lottery. I said that last episode I was on. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know it is. Um, but yeah, is I, it a I've risk come, you take? I've come around on that. I think that is a risk you have to take at this point. One point out of the playoffs with, you know, what is it, 20 games to go or whatever. Um, you know, the, the Metro is there for the taking. This isn't the deathmatch Metro that it was back in November and December. You know, no team wants one of these playoff spots. They all keep losing. So now what better time than now? And, I mean, if you, if you really want to hang on to that pick, then I really think that, as I said last time, and I still believe, you can dangle Flurry and offer him as, hey, it's like getting a first-round pick. He's still not that old. 
you know, he's got plenty of time. And look, he's got NHL experience too. I think that that's, that's, a, that's a pitch that you can make that I think someone would probably be receptive to. Not saying that he would be the only piece you would trade, but if you're thinking of including a first-round pick and you're kind of, uh, kind of waffling on whether you should or not, I think that's a perfectly acceptable substitute. Well, it may not be far out there, but maybe the Canes can be involved in one of the big pieces that might move, might move this trade deadline uh and that is the guy that we chose or no i'm sorry we didn't choose we chose zach boychuk over him just kidding but anyway um that is eric carlson and there is actually a chance that he might be traded even this trade deadline um but it will according to tsn reportedly take no less than a king's ransom which means that a package that may include close to five, six, or seven pieces. And the haul may also mean a team that has to take on Bobby Ryan's contract. Yeah, that is interesting. But would either of you guys do it if you were in Ron Francis' shoes, and what would your package be involved? Uh, well, I think you have to start with Phil D. Giuseppe. Okay. He's a piece. Um, and, and, maybe, and maybe offer um, Derek Ryan, too. Maybe. Okay. Okay. I can see. Here's my thought. I'm going to give a okay. Obviously, Justin Falk. It doesn't make sense to, to trade for Eric Carlson in the deal where Falk isn't going back the other way. Falk, Carlson would essentially be upgrading uh, what Falk's slot is currently. That would be the idea to, to, make, to give you that legitimate superstar on defense. So Falk would go back. Hayden Flurry would go back. Um, you'd be setting Ottawa up with. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, Cody Cece, Justin Falk, and Hayden Fleury. I think that's a, a pretty good starting point for their defense. Uh, they think Cody Cece is good, but he's not. But um, they, they would think that's a good starting point for their defense. Uh, you throw Julian Gauthier in there, for sure. He's okay. an okay piece. You throw this year's first in there. Uh, you throw your 2019 first in there. Or 2020 first in there. You see if you can keep your 2019 first. Um, but your 2020 first. So right now that's two firsts. Gauthier. Falk and Flurry for Carlson, but would you also? Yes, I would take Bobby Ryan. I would take Bobby Ryan on that deal, and I'd probably be willing to add another piece, uh, maybe another forward prospect. Um, you know, Sorella, Kukinen, someone like that. Um, anything but Natchez, really? Natchez or Aho? Like anything else? Wow, wow! Now that adding that definitely offs the ante. You would you would move Aho? No, no, no. I said anything but those two. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was about to say. No. Um, would I trade for Eric Carlson in a heartbeat? Uh, what it would take? Eh. Um, but I'm will- I would say I'm willing if, – if you're Ron Francis and you're in a position where Pierre Dorian is talking to you and says, hey, we'll give you this, I would definitely start with Falk. I think it just makes sense salary-wise. Um, it gives – and it also gives auto incentive to take less, you know, because five or six or seven pieces. If you add Falk to that, I think it moves it down to maybe four or five. Um, if you're giving them straight prospects, then, yeah, I could understand six or seven. But, uh, yeah, I would start with Falk. Um, I would look at adding maybe a roster forward right now, whether that is a Derek Ryan or something, just, just another roster spot. Um, and then I'd probably go – 
I'd go Bean. I'd give up Bean. I'm not high on him at all. I think his foot speed is slow. I think we're going to realize that he isn't the prospect that much of Kane's and Kane's Twitter thinks he is. Um, and I would also give up a first in two seconds. See if they would take it. Two seconds? Yes, Falk, a roster forward, um, being a first in two seconds. I'm going to take this um, in a little bit of a different direction because um, I think that Falk is probably the would be the top target, but I think you could do – I think you'd get away with a little bit less by doing this. What if the starting point was Brett Pesci? You start, you start with Pesci. Then I don't think you have to give up quite as much. I think you could probably get away with maybe including – um, maybe you include Zekoff in that. Um, I would try to hang on to Goche for whatever reason. I still think that he's got, he's, he's got a lot of growing that he needs to do, but I wouldn't give up on him quite yet, even in this deal. Um, I think if you, if you went with, I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. Carlson is an improvement over Pesci. Of course. Um, I would be okay giving up Pesci. I think you give up probably a maybe a maybe a roster player, but I don't think you'd have to go too much higher than like Tara Vinen. I don't think I would give him up, but I'm just using that as an example. Him, Lindholm, you know, one of those guys. And then I think you give up a first. And I think you've probably got a deal. So Carlson for let's say Pesci, Tara Vinen, um, Zekoff, and a first. Who says no? I would I would avoid Teravine if possible. I'd, I'd rather Lindholm or okay. I, I, you can swap it out for Lindholm. That's fine. Um, they're basically on the same level in my right. mind. So one or the other, you know, Lindholm I think gives you a little bit more flexibility because he can play center. I can understand them not wanting to get rid of that flexibility. Um, you know, Teravine in, in a pinch can play center, but I mean Lindholm Lindholm can play entire games there. Teravine can take a, a draw or two. Um, that would be that would be in my mind the argument to keeping Lindholm and Demetrius. But there you've given up, so you, you've swapped out roster defensemen, you know, top pairing defensemen. You've thrown in a player that has you know is the is the co leading scorer for the Hurricanes this year, and has proven that you know given minutes he can he can produce. Um, plus a first, plus a, you know plus a good prospect, and I mean Zekoff's as good as anybody in Charlotte right now. I think you get that deal done for four pieces. I don't think it takes seven. Hmm. And how far behind are you really? If you swap out Carlson for Pesci, your top four is going to look like um, Slavin Carlson, which God, would that be a great pair. Wow. wow. I mean, and, and, and let's, let's be honest. I think Slavin Carlson's a better pairing than Slavin Pesci. Because if you get Carlson, you're still going to play Slavin Pesci together. And who's Carlson going to play with? Flurry? Hannafin. Hannafin? Maybe. I mean, mm. it, it's it's you're you're playing with fire there. You're you're right back to Carlson CC, aren't you? Hannafin's <laughs> a lot better than CC. Well, I, I realize that, but neither of them are slaving, is my point. So I think I don't think Hannafin Carlson would ever lose the puck. They might if not. You put, if you put them out with stall with TSA and Hannafin Carlson, I don't think you'd leave the offensive zone. <laughs> You're probably right. 
But I think there's, I, I mean, I think there's a way that this can get done, you know, and all this assumes that, you know, that Carlson's willing to accept a deal here. Um, but I think that if you start with Pesci rather than Falk, I don't think you have to include quite as much and you're really not kneecapping yourself as much as you might think trading Pesci away. I'm not advocating trading Pesci. I am, I am saying that if his name comes up in a deal for Eric Carlson, you probably take, you probably take it. Would you ever take a deal that involves Slavin? Carlson. Well, I don't really think you'd want to trade Slavin in a deal for Carlson because Slavin and Carlson play on opposite sides. The, you'd have no lefties left. You, you, Flurry would be in the top four. Yeah, I mean the the appeal the appeal to trading Falk is that he's a right defenseman, as is Carlson. So you're swapping one for one. The same thing kind of happens for Pesci, but if you're trading Slavin instead, Slavin's a left guy. You know, then then you've got you know then you're loaded down the right side. You've got nothing on the left. I think the strangest thing about these rumors, especially about Carlson, um, is two things, actually. Um, first, the including Bobby Ryan in any trade, that kind of just seems like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It Does it not? And also, the thing about Carlson is that he's probably going to command what? You'd say $10 million? Easily? Oh, easily, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd offer him a max contract, honestly. So he's not going – there's no way he's going to Toronto. There's no re- way he's going to New York. Um, I've heard Tampa, but there's that's not happening either. They'd still have to clear a lot of space or get rid of, you know, a core of players that they obviously are working right now. Um, what is it – somewhat reasonable landing spot for him, whether it is by trade or by free agency. Vegas. Next year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Vegas, St. Louis, maybe. Um, I mean, he would, he would fit right in in St. Louis. Um, I'm not sure how tied up to the cap they are, but I think they're a little bit further under than like Tampa is, for example. Um, yeah. Edmonton could obviously use them, but Edmonton could use everyone um, and anyone. And in the East, no one really jumps out at me. So, I mean, the, the Bruins maybe, um, but they would have to clear space for him. I mean, they could use them for sure, but they'd have to clear space for them. Um, you know, the, I don't think you would want to go to the Rangers with them rebuilding, but that would be a logical place, you know, to fit. I just don't think that the timing is, would work out well for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of really obvious places to look at. So, you know, you never know. Don't think it's going to happen, but I, I don't know. Well, regardless, the Canes have a few more days before they play. Um, and maybe a move will be made, maybe not. Uh, but there is an interesting week ahead. You have Penguins in Raleigh. On Friday, then you Moss. have uh, Detroit away on Saturday, Moss. and you play the Bruins away on Tuesday. Loss. So, <laughs> I can tell Kyle's opinion. Uh, Brian, where are you at this week? Give us a reasonable record, and how are they going to play? Well, a reasonable record in terms of what they need to do to keep up with it is with the Joneses in the Metro is four points, um, and preferably that would include a win over the penguins. Um, 
but you're going to have to beat a team that's ahead of you um, and beat the Red Wings. Um, I think that four points is reasonable. I think they probably can beat the Penguins, although the Penguins have been hot. It's just a matter of whether their scoring shows up or not. And, you know, if they can, if they can get going, they could beat the Penguins. Um, if they fire 50 shots on Matt Murray again, they're probably not going to beat the Penguins. Um, I think they beat, I think they beat the Red Wings. Um, the Bruins are interesting. I, I kind of get the sense that they, they're not falling back necessarily, but they might not be quite as hot as they were there for about a month. Losing to Edmonton as we speak. Yeah. So they're, they're still a tough team, but I don't think they're invincible. And I think it's possible, although not probably not probable that they would lose that, that they would win that game. Uh, so I would, I, I think that reasonably speaking, one, one, and one is probably the most likely possibility. If they want to keep up in the playoff race, they need two wins. Yeah, I think uh, Penguins at home, I think that's a loss. You have to beat Detroit. And I said that the last time they played and they lost 4-1. to one. Come on, you really got to beat Detroit. You're even going to keep your head above water. And I think um, with the Bruins, yeah, especially at TD Garden, I, I just they never have luck there, it seems. Uh, maybe an overtime loss, but I don't know. I'm not optimistic about it. Um, you know, hey, when they inevitably make a trade at 12 o'clock tonight after we're done with this podcast, maybe they'll have the player they need to win all three games. But until then, thank you for listening to Kane's Country Podcast. You can follow all of our great stuff at Kane's Country on Twitter. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Uh, we got we got good stuff on Facebook too, and you can also follow us on Instagram at Kane's Country Picks. Um, Brian, is there any works for a Kane's Country Snapchat account? No. We should we should do that. We should totally do that. That's how you get coverage in the 21st century here. Anyways, um, my name's Justin Lape. You can follow me at Lanky Lape on Twitter, and you can follow Kyle at K underscore Morton nine. And you can follow Brian at DD LeBlanc, L E B L A N C. No relation to Kevin LeBlanc of the San Jose Sharks. Um, Liar. Oh, oh, sorry. 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 I'm not, <laughs> not even going to grace that with a response. You just did. Haha. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening and have a good week. Later. Bye.